Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Praise God. I'm going to start a series today. Um, if you've seen it on Facebook, I'm going to start a series called Rewind. And I'm going to look at this for hopefully the next two to three weeks, see where it goes, and just see what God wants to do in our hearts and how he wants to speak to us this morning. You know, it's no accident that I didn't realize that we'd be listening to 90s music today. I don't know if you're like me, but (laughs) are you like me that I've got a little setting in my car that I've got six, six things that I can choose from that all access a little iPod in the car so you can access different playlists. So I've created my playlists and so I know what I've got. So I've got six things, but there's five of them that I know what the albums are. So I'm always listening to these five albums, but number six is one that if it lands on number six... It's not an album. It just literally pulls everything from the iPod. So I've got no idea what's coming next. Has anyone ever had that? It's kind of like a shuffle. So it just pulls anything. And, and I'm, I'm like that sometimes. And I'm in the car and I, I've got it on setting number six. And, and all of a sudden a song comes on. And I'm not sure what this song's going to be. And I don't know if you're like me, but don't, doesn't songs take you back sometimes? You, you can hear a song... And it can take you to a moment of time. It can take you back to a place what you remember. And so sometimes I, I, I'm listening to a song and all of a sudden I'm jumping from different, different years of my life. You know, if I hear one song, it's, I'm, I'm at Matt Redman at a concert. Then the next minute I'm in a service here. And I remember things because we, our memories remember things. And, and I don't think it's any accident today as I bring this series, because I didn't know that we're going to be going back to nostalgia and bringing back some of these Graham Kendrick classics this morning. And I'm like, shine, Jesus, shine. Come on. What about Hillsong? Some of the new stuff. Shine, Jesus. Do you know what? I didn't realize until I started reading the words how much it had in this, in this song today of what I'm going to be speaking about. So I believe God wanted to do this today. And, and I want to encourage you today that sometimes in your walk of faith, and if you're not a Christian, you're going to get and understand some of this today as I talk. But sometimes as a Christian, when, we, when we're walking with Jesus, a lot of the messages we hear are, you've got to keep pressing forward. You've got to keep moving forward. Keep your eyes fixed on the prize, Philippians, as Paul says. Keep your eyes fixed on the goal. And a lot of the time, we, we never actually look back. We never look back at things and we never turn around and look back at some of the things behind us because we always think we've got to keep looking forward. Amen. Now that's right. We've got to keep looking forward to the goal and the prize. But I really believe sometimes as Christians, we need to look back as well. There's things we can learn from the past. And there are things that sometimes that maybe you're walking away from God's will and plan because you think it's in the right direction. But God says, I want to call you back today and rewind you back to some of those times. We're going to pick up in Luke chapter 24 to kick off this first week. Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. And we're going to pick up the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. So before I read this, I just want to set the tone. Jesus has just been crucified. He's died. Three days have passed. And you've got these two individuals, Cleopas and another disciple, leaving Jerusalem. So they're leaving the place where they're so discouraged because they don't know what's really happened to Jesus. And so they're walking away from Jerusalem to the village of Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile journey. And they take this walk. And the Bible says that they're downcast. They feel low because they're discouraged of what's happening. So we'll pick it up in in verse 13. It says this, now that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem 
who doesn't know the things that happened in these days? Verse 19, what things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped, say we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, if it doesn't get any worse, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. The women always amaze you, don't they? Come on. In a good way. In a good way. Some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the woman had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are. Come on, this is Jesus. He's not Jesus meek and mild. How foolish you are. Remember, they don't know it's Jesus yet, so you can get away with it. And slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things, then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, just like we've done today, broke it, and began to give it to them. Verse 31, it says this, Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. And saying, it is true. The Lord has risen. Come on. And has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. I want to talk to you today about sometimes when we are walking in our direction. The title of this week is Retracing Your Steps. Retracing Your Steps. Sometimes we can be walking in a direction that we think is in a God direction, but actually God is pulling us in another direction. Do you ever feel that? Sometimes you, you feel it looks like God, but actually there's something that's, that seems to be tugging you and pulling you in another direction. And if you read in Acts chapter 16, you'll see that Paul even wants to go to Asia Minor and he has this desire to take the gospel, but it says the Holy Spirit stopped them from going and so they end up going in a completely different direction and that's what, as we've looked before, sets up the church in Philippi. So sometimes the Holy Spirit will want to redirect your path in life. How many of you know, if, you, if you're here today and you think this sounds a little bit crazy, I've never heard this kind of talk before, but I want to encourage you today that being a Christian and following Jesus Christ means that you can have the Holy Spirit living inside of you and he guides you, he comforts you in life and he will release you into all of the great things that God has planned for you. How many of you want to be led by the Spirit today into everything God has got for you? Come on, so do I. And so these, th these two disciples, they were leaving this place of total discouragement. It says they were downcast. It says they were talking on this seven mile journey of, of all of the things that had happened. And, and, and they were discussing, saying, I, you know, I can't believe what's happened. Jesus has he's come, he's, he's died, this has happened, we've seen this, everything's over. In fact, it says this, that they, they were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. It's a little bit selfish. They wanted him to just redeem their, their world, what they saw. But how many of you know that Jesus had a different plan? He didn't just want to redeem Israel. He wanted to redeem the world. He wanted to redeem you today. You're here today because Jesus wants you to be redeemed. 
And so they walk with discouragement. It says they're downcast. And, and they're walking in a direction away from Jerusalem. So they're leaving this place because of what they've seen. And I love the fact, I don't know about you, but I love the fact that Jesus, when he sees them walking in that direction, he says he comes and walks alongside them. Sometimes we think that the Holy Spirit, if he's not, if we're walking in the wrong direction, he's not going to be walking with us. Let me tell you, if you're walking in the wrong direction today, maybe you're walking into some sin. Do you know the Holy Spirit will walk with you and he'll pull you back? He'll rewind you back because he desires to love you and draw you back to all the plans he has for you. And, and, and I want to tell you, whatever you've fallen into, whatever sin, whatever things you, you've become involved in, however far you go, the Holy Spirit will walk with you and whisper to turn around. Let me tell you, if you're going in the wrong direction, you're going to head up in the wrong destination. But it's never too late to turn around, is it? It's never too late to turn around and go back. And so they walk, and they're downcast, and Jesus comes up to them, and he says, Come on, what, what are you guys talking about? I mean, this is, this is the resurrected Christ. This is Jesus who has just suffered for your, for your behalf. He suffered and, and he says, what are you talking about, guys? What, what, what's this about? As if he doesn't know. Okay, what, what's, what's happening? I've, I've not caught up on the news feed. What's happening in Jerusalem? Oh, you don't know. You don't know what's happened. He says they stood still, shocked. Are you crazy? Are you you not been around Jerusalem for the last few days? Have you not seen BBC News? The Sky News as well. Have you not seen the news of what, what's happened? He says they were kept from recognizing him. And so he said, well, what's happened? And they said, we hoped that this was going to happen. But it didn't. How many of you today, right now, you have followed Jesus, you got to a situation in your life, you were following him everywhere he went. He says they were his disciples. But it says we hoped it was going to happen this way. How many of you have been journeying with God? You got so far, then all of a sudden traumatic event comes along. Something takes place in your life, shakes your world. You have no idea where this thing comes from. And it shakes everything inside of your, your environment, your world. And all of a sudden you're, di- you're downcast, you're discouraged. Because you thought you were in God's plan. And then all of a sudden you say, I can't believe this has happened to me. Come on. How many of us, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening to me. But you know what's amazing about this? Jesus wants to turn them back to what's going to happen. And actually, what, was, what had happened before that. You see, Jesus already told them. That he would die and rise from the dead. Lazarus himself had already been risen from the dead. They'd seen that it was the resurrection and the life. They'd seen that he had the power to see a dead man come to life. They saw this. They heard the news reports that this man, Jesus, had the power to stand outside a tomb and speak after four days to a man and command him to come to life. This... They heard that news, but oh no, you don't, you don't understand what's happening. My world's, my world's shocked, my world's messed up. Sometimes we lose the sight of resurrection life. We lose the sight of resurrection. Can I just say this to you? When you lose the sight of resurrection, because if you forgot that Jesus rose from the dead, I'm telling you, you can, t- you can preach about the cross. You can preach about the death of Jesus Christ, but you have to preach the resurrection because the resurrection changes everything. It changes everything. He says this. Jesus says, what things? This is what they respond. This is, their, this is their news report to Jesus. This is what will tell you what happened. He was a prophet. He's like, yeah, I'm a prophet. Powerful in word. You know, we saw him do amazing things. He was powerful. 
Acts 10.38 says he went around doing good. Healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. They knew these things. They knew about him. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priest, he says, this is where it all gets a little bit bad for them. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. And it says, verse 21, before they even mention anything about the fact that Jesus said he was going to rise from the dead. They said, but we had hoped. He says, they crucified him, semicolon, verse 21, but we had hoped. They didn't mention what was supposed to happen. When you get so discouraged, you know what the enemy does? He removes the hope. He tries to rob you of hope because you're in the situation. You're on your death day. You're on your day where everything's going wrong. So now you don't want to trust what Jesus said. Oh no, I'm going to forget that because this situation, everything around me seems so messed up that it's impossible for it to change. So I'm going to stay with, he was crucified and we, we'd hoped it would change. But they never mentioned the resurrection. I don't know what season you're in today, whether you're in a season of, you're saying, I can't believe what's happened to me. I can't believe it. We'd, I'd hoped this situation was going to change. It was going to turn around for my good. Challenging seasons can throw you off course. They can send you in the wrong direction. And I believe today, Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to come in this place and redirect some people back to some places again. I'm going to talk to you about some of that in just a moment. Because I believe that Jesus wants to come and walk alongside you. And he is to redirect your steps. To retrace your steps to where he wants you to be today. I don't know if anyone's seen one of these before. I grabbed this out of my garage today. Some people are looking at me like I'm crazy. They're like, what is that? Is it the new iPad? Put your hand up if you don't know what that is. Oh, we got one hand. That's pretty good. I thought I'd bring some nostalgia in here today. You see, many years ago, we didn't have the flexibility of going on Netflix. Let me just remind you. My children go on Netflix and they, they, they choose a film and, 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 and they can be watching it and leave and then come back in. And they get the luxury of being able to press a button called resume play. Even though they've watched something else. They get the flexibility to resume. Dad, I can just resume play. Oh, can you? You should have been where I was when I was younger, when I had a video recorder, when I had to put this in and rewind it to the point. And the problem was, is I never knew where it was because if I rewound it, I had to stop and keep pressing play to find the spot. And so I used to do that when I was young, and, and I had cassettes. Does anyone know what a cassette is? Come on. There's so much anointing on cassettes. And Walkman. Do you know what a Walkman is? Yeah. Come on, bring back the Walkman. Bring back the Walkman. These iPods, we don't need them. And I used, I used to have a cassettes. And these, I used to love playing with cassettes and things like this when I was younger. One of the things that used to happen is my video players, sometimes it would, all the cassettes, they'd get chewed up. And so you've got a film and, and, and then you, you, your favorite film and it gets chewed up at a point. So what you do is you, you get the cassette and you pull it out and you, you cut it. And then you try carefully to put a bit of sellotape and wrap it around so carefully to repair it so that then you can watch the film again. You know, you can't just go on iTunes and download it again. You have to salvage what you got. The problem was, the problem was that when you did that, sometimes you cut a bit of the film out. So you cut the film out and then you pieced it back together and then when you played it again, unfortunately that segment of the film was removed. It was removed so you just had to put it with the fact that you get to this point and then all of a sudden some fuzzy thing comes on the screen. You're just hoping that the, the, the video is going to get past it and you're like hearing the chunking and sound inside thinking, come on, you can do it. You can get past this. You don't know. Come on. You can do it. And you know that that motor's going to kick in one day and it's going to break and everything's going to fail. And, and so you, you get past it and you're like, praise God. Video cassettes, amazing. Bring them back. 
But the problem is, is when that happened, I used to have films, when I, I've got some still, where I'd sell tape them together, cassettes, and I'd miss part of the song. And what happens in life is this sometimes. The damage that's caused in our moments of discouragement causes us to sometimes try and repair it ourselves and we cut out the vital information. They cut out the past. They missed out in their lives. When they look back, they forgot what Jesus had said. They forgot that Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. They forgot that he said, on the third day, I'm going to rise again. So what happened is, they're walking in a direction where they're basing everything on their new facts. Can I say, you've got to get your facts right to get your faith right. You don't base your life on fact. You base it on faith. But you've got to get your facts right. And their facts were off course. Because they forgot about the resurrection. They were so discouraged in their season that they forgot about this. Can I say that when you've lost sight of the resurrection, the resurrection comes looking for you. They lost sight of the resurrection life, but Jesus came looking for them. He came walking by their side. He came to find them, to rewind them. He came to find them, to rewind them back and say, look. You've lost this point. You've lost the reason of all this. You've lost the purpose of this. You're living in your what's happened and you've missed the plot. You've missed it. I want to bring a few points today just to help you. What it means to retrace your steps. And how that can change your life. And what we learn from this story. Number one is this. To move forward effectively. To move forward effectively means sometimes we've got to return to his promises first. We've got to return to his word. We've got to return back to what the word of God says, not what we think sometimes. He says this, they focused, they, he, some of our women amazed, it says, verse 22, they went to the tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us they'd seen visions of angels. They said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the woman had said. But they did not see Jesus. Do you know what they did? Their discouragement was based on the fact that they were listening to hearsay rather than what he says. They were listening to what they said. Now listen, all of the reports that the woman said and their companions were right. They did see the vision. They did see these things. But their lives were directed by what people said rather than what he said. And the problem sometimes in our lives is that when we walk forward in God, we actually dismiss picking up the word of God and living our lives based on what others say. We'd rather go onto the website and, di- and type into word of today and read word of today every day rather than to see what the Lord wants to say to you today. So you want, I've got no problems with word of today because I read it. It's great. But... Sometimes if we rely on that, we rely on what people say rather than what the Holy Spirit wants to say. And I want to encourage you today, some of you have got to get back to that place where you don't rely on what people are saying for your faith, but you rely on what God is saying in this moment, in this season. Because God speaks, by the way, do you know that? The Bible tells us very clearly, it says, Jesus says, my sheep, meaning you, if you're a Christian, will hear my voice. You're going to hear what I'm saying. And I want to encourage you to tap into this. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I'll answer, tell you great and unsearchable things you don't know. God wants to speak to you and direct you. And so what we do is sometimes we listen to what other people say. It says they saw visions. I don't know about you, but I, I, I see some people sometimes, they tell me they've seen so many visions. I'm like, I don't see anything. Do you get like that? I saw, I've just seen an angel appear in the corner and he had a sword. And I'm like, man, I just saw the coffee bar downstairs. <laughs> Phil, I've just seen an angel with a flaming torch. Have you now? I didn't see that. 
you know, I, I, just a, a few years ago, there was a church who were, were going live on their video, and they used to say, some revival meetings, God was moving, and they'd say, you know, you've got to watch these films. We believe when the drummer, the drummer's been playing in the corner, and, 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 and we see Jesus' face appears at the top. In the corner, you watch the videos of the meetings. I'm watching them. I can see this little face. I think I know what it is. Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it Jesus? And I kept watching, and, and then, then I realized that they sent me a message and said, actually, we realized that it's it's not Jesus. All oh, right, thank you. We realized the spotlight, the way it was shining onto the plant, is causing a little shadow in the top corner. It's just the video. <laughs> I was thinking, come on, let's have a revival. Let's go up there. Let's get a team of people. We've got, we got to see Jesus. Can I tell you, you don't have to travel or buy a ticket to go anywhere to find Jesus. <laughs> we, we've, I'll tell you, a season is changing for the church where people are not going to run around looking for things. Looking for things because it's here. Some people are running to other countries. They need to rewind and come back and get in the churches. Because God doesn't just work in Florida. I like them places. But let me tell you, that's where some of these revivals have happened. People, I've I've known friends of mine, they traveled in the past. God does not just work in certain places. He covers the earth with his glory. He is here today. He's in Cambridge. He's in your village. The Bible says that Jesus lives on the inside of you. It says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That means wherever you go. It's, the Bible says your treasure. You have a treasure in jars of clay. <laughs> Come on, you don't need to buy a ticket to a conference to meet Jesus. You don't need to do that. They saw visions of angels, and they, they, but they didn't. Then we, our companions said they went and they didn't see Jesus, but they, they, they kind of heard about it. And so that we, we're so confused at the moment. Do you know what? You're thinking, well, that's not me. I'm not like, yeah, you are. Because do you know what we do today? We go on YouTube. We have YouTube theology. Come on, you know it. You watch your favorite sermon, and then it says next to it, recommended plays. So you think, oh, I'll watch that one. In the recommended plays, you've got a person putting down the one you've just listened to. You know, and, 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 and all of a sudden you think, well, that word I've just listened to, I enjoyed that. But this person's telling me that he's, he's, he's of the devil. I, I'm not sure what. My theology is a little bit skewed because now I'm going from one to the next. And, and I'm living off others' recommendations. I'm living off the YouTube algorithm rather than the Holy Ghost. Do you know the devil loves these algorithms? Why? Because they will take you down a path that you shouldn't have gone. Take you down a path. You, t- you go down a path and before you know it, you thought you knew what you believed and now you've got no idea. In the book of Galatians, it says, Paul says, who's bewitched you? Who cut in on you from obeying the truth? You know, we, we've given you the foundation of truth. Listen to us. Now you've, you've, you've gone on all the recommendations. You're in a lost world. Can I just say to you, some people say, I, I, I've, I've, I'm not in a church. I've just decided I'm, going to, I'm just going to move around where the Spirit leads me. I want to encourage you, get it planted in a church. And if this church ain't for you, you find somewhere that is. Because I'm not, I'm not looking for people who are roamers. I want people who are rooted. And if you ain't going to be rooted here, root yourself somewhere so that God can use you and your theology stays strong. Because the worst thing I've found is when I meet people who their theology has been skewed and they, they, they're just blown off course. And they need to be rewound back to the word of God. If you don't know his word, you don't know his way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. His word is a light to your feet. It's a lamp. So you've got to get rooted in his word. Don't dismiss the Bible and live off YouTube. Don't dismiss church meetings for live meetings online. 
Because there's a detachment from the community of what God wants to do. But some of us are like, well, I can, I can live my Christianity because the problem is today is we're living in a world where people are so addicted to phones, gadgets, that your time is not spent in the Word of God. It's not spent in this. You know, even myself sometimes, I, I tend to read more of my Bible electronically than I do this. So sometimes when I, I pick up one of these, I've got to admit, I find it, my brain is quicker looking on a, on a pad to find things than it is this. But sometimes we've got to get back to the paper, yeah? Come on, let's, if we're going to sing Shine, Jesus, Shine, let's pick up our Bibles again. <laughs> Come on, let's, let's rewind back. Let's rewind back. Some of it, do you know what I find is when I hear some of these songs today, what I realize is that God is saying, I'm rewinding you back to some of the times. Some of you right now in this room, you're in discouragement seasons. You're in seasons where you're saying everything's going wrong. And do you know what happens when you hear things like that? It takes you back to a time when you just found Jesus. When you just found Jesus. When actually your joy in you was so, so overflowing, so strong your joy inside was overwhelming that you sometimes think i want that back well jesus is saying you can have that back he reminds you again today he says i want to rewind you back because i'm still the same yesterday today and forever you've changed he says not me you've changed not me some of us need to get back into the word of god and not just pretend that we read the word of god but read it read it I was at a course for a leadership training course. And in between the two sessions that I had to go to, we had to read a book. And I was on the way to this course. And uh, my wife was driving at the time. And I was in the front. Because I was trying to catch up on reading this book because I'd read none of it. So I thought, I'll read. What I'm going to do is they're going to ask questions when I get there. Did you read the book? <laughs> you ever, you've ever been in that situation? So you know what? I thought I'd be really wise and I'll read page 52 and 53. Get a little bit into the book a bit, you know. Not just page one. Go in depth. Try and make some context of it. When I get there, if they say, has anyone read the book? I'll just, I'll put my hand up first and say, well, I read page, yeah, I love what it says on page 52. (laughs) I love that point. Do you know why I did that? Because I wanted them to think that I'd read the whole thing. So I, I, if I just, if I, so when they said, in fact, I got there and I was having coffee with everyone. I said, did you read the book? Everyone, have you read the book? <laughs> people are like, no, I've not read the book. And I'm like, you're just like me. So then I sat in the room and I knew there were a lot of people who had not read the book. But I thought, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to get in there first and I'm going to say it first. So as soon as he said, has anyone read the book? I put my hand up first. Yeah, I love what it said on page 52. <laughs> I said it. And he liked it. And I passed off as someone who read the whole thing. But the reality is that's what we do in our Christian walk. We come to church, we act like we're reading this and we're not even looking at it. You spend more time online. You spend more time looking at what's happening in the world out there on social media than the Word of God. We've got to get back to the Word. We've got to get back to the Word. Can I encourage you? Memorize Scripture. Get Scriptures into you. So that the Holy Spirit can... If the the Holy Spirit can't remind you of something, you're not already deposited. Some people say, oh, the Holy Spirit reminds me. I flow in the Spirit. Well, if you ain't read it, how can it remind you of it? He can't remind you of what you've not read. So you need to get the Word of God in so that then the Spirit reminds you of what you've read. So I encourage you, some people say, well, that's a bit ritualistic, remembering scriptures. If you remember scriptures, then the Spirit will breathe life on that and remind you. Come on, make some time this week to say, I'm going to get back to the Word of God. So they're discouraged. They're saying, you know, this is what's happening. We're so confused. We've been looking at experience. They had a vision. They saw this. We saw this. Jesus says this. He says, come on, are you foolish or what? Have you missed the plot here? Verse 27, it says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus comes alongside and says, guys, I'm going to give you a little lesson. It sounds like you've only read page 52. (laughs) Come on, you've only read one page of this. 
you've got to get, you've got to have the entirety of scripture to see what the prophets said would happen, to see what I'm going to do, so you can understand that there is a resurrection coming, and actually the resurrection is walking with you right now. You see, if you don't know Jesus and you don't spend time with him, you don't recognize him. You don't recognize what he's doing. You don't recognize where he's taking you next because you don't know his voice. You don't know his voice. I used to, in the company I used to work in, one of the departments that I, we worked in the company, they had a, a section that was for a defense and security. So they would work on um, helping people with missiles in, in, in companies who develop missiles for war. They would come into this, this, this group of people, and I used to sit and have coffee with them, and they'd tell me what they did. And they said that these people would come, and they would pay them lots of pounds, millions of pounds, basically to they develop their missiles with such power and such destructive force but one of the issues they found is this, that even though they developed them, they needed to make them more accurate. The problem they had is that their missiles were not accurate enough. So they had all the power, the money and expense went into it. But the way to determine its accuracy was for our company to get involved. So what they used to do is they would, they would create these, these drones, send drones up into the sky and then shoot the missile at the drone. The information would come back from this drone and tell uh, the people in, in my offices, it would say, well, this is the accuracy of your missile. You need to do some more work. You need to spend some more money. And sometimes they would spend all the money to develop such a powerful thing, but yet the thing missed the drone, so the accuracy was out. And I, I felt the Lord say this to me the other day. Some of us in our life, the trajectory in our life of where we're going is determined by our theology. It's determined with what you know about God and what you believe. The trajectory of where you're going is always determined by your theology. And if you're off course, you can have all the spirit and the power you want. You can have all the destructive force you think you've got. But if you're not on target, you're not going to do anything for Jesus. And I believe that God wants to, to, to bring a church and you and me together, bring us back to a place, bring us back to where we're not just running with the Spirit or just the Word, but the Word and the Spirit come together. And when they come together, there's a destructive force against the enemy's camp that you're going to have pinpoint accuracy against what he's doing in this city. The Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers. In other words, God has called you to be a destructive force. He's called you to challenge the, the, the powers that are at work across this city. The Bible says if you ain't following Jesus, you're following Satan, the prince of the power of the air. So we've got to get ourselves aligned with the word and the spirit so that our trajectory is right on target. If not, do you know what? You'll spend your life being puffed up by the Spirit and miss the target. The Word of God redefines your coordinates. It's all about the coordinates. Where are your coordinates in to determine where God is going to take you next? You know, when we have this Word in our hearts, it establishes a security of where we're going. Hebrews 6.19 says that we have an anchor for our soul. He's the forerunner, so he goes before us. And I want to encourage you today that when he is the foundation, your destination is right. He will get your destination right. And then we're not blown around, Ephesians 4 says, we're not blown around by every wind of teaching. That's what happens, you see. Your trajectory goes off when you get blown about by different teaching. I want to encourage you today. It's time to get back. Return to the word. Rewind yourself back to them places where you start to pick your Bible up again. And then God will do great things in your life. Number two is this. Return to his presence. Return to his presence. He says this, Luke 24, 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on. I love this. 
as if he were going a little further. It's like testing them out. You know, I'm just going to keep walking and see whether they invite me in. I'm going to keep walking past. I've told them a lot of stuff, but will they invite me into their home? And he says, verse 29, listen, they urged him strongly. They urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. And then it says Jesus went in to stay with them. Do you know what? The word of God's important, but the presence of God is so important in your life. If you don't want the presence of God in your life, Jesus will carry on walking. He'll carry on walking. They wanted him there. They wanted his person, his presence. If some of you was at Eric Gilmore the other day, what an, what an amazing day that was. Hear and Eric talk about spending time with the person of Jesus. And, and I don't know where, where, where your life's at at the moment in all the business of what you're doing right now. But some of us have just got to get back to those still places again. Those places where actually we gaze on Jesus again. We look back to him again. We invite him in. He says they strongly urged him to come. When was the last time you spent time in his presence? When you sat at his feet. And actually you spent an hour doing absolutely nothing. I don't know about you, but I can go 10 minutes doing nothing and I get a bit frustrated. I start tapping my, tapping my fingers. Do you know why? Because our lives, you, you watch, I mean, I've noticed this more and more, but if I put my phone down in my pocket and I make a conscious decision not to use it, I see more people using theirs. I see the problem more. When I'm using it, I don't see the problem. And so what I've realized is, and I'm, I'm bad at this because I, I'm picking up my phone, I'm checking, you get pings, notifications. I mean, how many different things pop up all the time? And all these things are trying to distract our time. We're living in a world of distraction. Absolute distraction. But God wants our attention. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I can sometimes find it hard to put it down because it's like, yo. Everything's going on in this little device, your life, your calendar. Everything's happening. And you put it down and some of us have got to start putting these things down and saying, do you know what? It's time to give some attention to Jesus again. It's time to give him the attention that he needs. I've, on my iPhone, I've just recently updated the software and it added on a feature called screen time. It keeps telling me how long I've spent on it. I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know what I've done, how many messages I've read or how long I spent on this because that makes me feel bad. Stop telling me this. Can I turn this off? Do you know a recent study says this, that people spend around 90 minutes a day on their phone, 23 days a year. That's 3.9 years of your life spent looking at your phone. 3.9 years. Now I know that we do lots of other things, but The Bible says to do this, look to the Lord, Psalm 105 verse 4, look to the Lord and his strength and seek his face always, always. You know, I'm not saying this because I'm picking anyone, because I need to put mine down. (laughs) I realize because screen time keeps telling me that. It keeps telling me that I'm spending time on it. I need to spend more time with the Lord than I do on these things. And some of us need to start to decide in our lives. We've got to return back to the, cl- the closet, the place where we last met with Jesus. In, in 1 Samuel 3, it says that when Eli the priest, he, he, he heard that Samuel was hearing the voice of the Lord. He came to him and he says, go back. Go back to that place and lie down again. And then you'll, you'll hear. I can't help you here. Don't get distracted by me. I know, I, you know, don't get distracted by things on YouTube. Go back. Don't get distracted by me. Go back to that place. Rewind yourself back to where you think you heard. Because God is speaking. And some of us, I believe that you're going to start to hear with accuracy. Real accuracy. You know, you want, the Bible says that you can hear his voice. I mean, let's just, just grab that for one moment. 
the creator of the universe says that he wants to talk to you. He doesn't say, I want to make you do, make you do things and be something you're not. He says, I want to, I want to talk to you because I love you. Wow. I love you. I love you. And so he's looking at intimacy. He's looking for us to say, and do you know what? I've learned this, right? And I want to encourage you. And I say it many times. But if you don't know what to pray for, just go into a room, close the door, and close your eyes, and just, just do what we heard the other day. Just listen. Just listen. Don't take your petitions and list. Just listen and say, God, recalibrate my heart. Change me. Tell me what you're saying right now at this moment in my life. I return to your presence. I come back to you. We look at this the other week in Revelation 2. When Jesus speaks, talking about the end times, when he speaks to the church of Laodicea, he says, you know, come back to the love you had at first. Come back to the love you had at first. These challenging messages to the church. Come back. Come back. Rewind yourself back to that place. That place where you met me at the cross. That place where you first found the light. That place where your heart was ablaze. Come back. Revelation 3 verse 18. He speaks to the church in Laodicea. He says, you say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. Then he says this, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. So you can see. Did you see this? In Luke chapter 24, what we read earlier, when they broke bread with Jesus and had communion, they recognized him. There's something in the power of communion. There's something in that the fact that, remember Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Something happened that he allowed them to connect those two together. That when you spend time with me and remember me, and you focus on me, you'll recognize me. You see, Jesus could have revealed himself on the road, but he didn't. He waited until to show them a principle. That when you have break bread with me, when you spend time and you sit, and your eyes are fixed on me, you're looking at me, you're fixing your gaze upon me. You spend time with me, just like it says in Revelation 3 to the church in Laodicea. He says, buy salve so you can see. Give your time. Do you know the biggest thing that you've got to give is your time? It's the most costly thing you've got. Your time is costly. Why? Because you've got a certain length of time on the earth and you don't know how long you've got. So your, your time is the most precious commodity you have. So you give someone your time. Next time someone says to you, yeah, I'll listen to you for 10 minutes. They're giving you a precious commodity. It's precious. And what Jesus is saying is, I want you to understand that communion brings revelation. Communion with me brings recognition of me. You get to know me in communion. You get to know me and what I am saying in your life right now. It says their eyes were opened and they recognized him. It's time to retrace your steps back to that place of intimacy. When was the last time you went into the closet, shut the door and prayed to the one who's unseen and said, I want to spend time with Jesus. When was it? Well, remember today and go back to that place again. Just like Samuel. Go back. And I believe if you do, God is going to bring revelation as you return to that place. Revelation to release you in this next season. Finally, number three. We've got to return to our purpose. Luke 24, 33 says, They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. You see, the thing is this. I, I find this amazing. They just walked seven miles. They didn't get a taxi. They didn't get the train. And they didn't get the bus. A seven mile walk's pretty long. It is. You, you walk to church, don't you? How far did you travel? From Fox and back. I don't know. From Foxton. Come on, the next time you got to drive from around the corner, ask this man what it feels like to walk to church. From Foxton. 
That's passion. He wants to be here. Praise God for you, brother. Come on. When someone says to you next time, I couldn't make it because the car broke down. Go go and have a chat to him. (laughs) Praise God. It's, It's amazing. That God loves your heart, you know. Your walk. When you walk and you do it, you're walking for him. You're walking to say, I want to be here. I want to be in your presence. I want to spend time with others. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. And some of us today, some of us today, we've lost our purpose. We're walking in the wrong direction. It says this, that when this son recognized Jesus around that table in communion, they recognized him. Do you know what happened? Something happened inside them. The Bible says that their hearts, they they looked, when he disappeared, do you know, the moment he vanished, it says this, were not our hearts burning? Something happened when we were in his presence, when we walked with him and heard the word of God, when the word and the spirit come together, when we put time, when we fixed our gaze, when we shut everything out, when we urged him to come in, we shut out all the distractions, something began to burn again in our hearts. And, and it's so burning in my heart that, 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 that I've got to get once again, once again, they got up and ran and went back to Jerusalem. It says they return back to the place where they were disappointed. You see, when the Spirit and the Word come together and you understand revelation of who Jesus is and that He is the resurrection and the life, you run back to your disappointing situation. You will walk seven miles back to it because you know that something good is about to happen. Come on, church. You know... Come on, he says that they stood still before and said, don't you realize what's happened? Now they were running back. Now they were going back to say, you, you've got to know what's just happened to us. We met with the risen Christ. It's true. He's alive. We've just come back. So you, you've just left here, haven't you? What, what are you back for? We, we went and then we come back because we met with him. He explained the word of God. We understand now the missing piece that we removed out of our disappointment. Now we realize that anything can happen because we're serving the resurrection and the life. We realize that he is the resurrection and the life. He is alive. And we're back. Come on, guys, where are you all? Come on, we've got to change the world. We've got to do something about this. We can't stay in our home. We can't stay in that place. We've got to do this work for Jesus. Hey. Hallelujah. What was it that made them leave so quickly apart from the promises that they heard and the presence that they experienced? What is it that made them run back? I'd love to know what Jesus was talking to them about around that table. I don't know about you. If you could have a recording, that would be the best YouTube recording you could ever hear. Of what was Jesus saying to them when they broke the bread and they recognized him. We read these stories and just think that all these things happened. And Jesus just broke bread, sat there, didn't say a word. And just all of a sudden they got up and said, at once we'll return. Jesus was like, okay. He disappears and they go. Now, Jesus is a communicator. He designed communication. He is one who speaks. He spoke the world into being. He's a creator God. His voice brings creation. So he knows what it is to speak. So I, I, I believe that when they were sat on that table in communion, he was speaking. And he was telling them things. And I don't know what it is, but I look and think, what made them get up apart from hearing the promises and understanding revelation again? Apart from the presence of God that made their hearts burn within them, that made them return back. There's got to be something else. And there's a little clue in Luke 24, 49, a little bit later on. And it says this, that when they arrived later on and they met, they met with the 11 and they assembled everyone and said, it's true. He says, while they were talking, Jesus appeared again. He didn't walk. He didn't walk, Patrick. He just, he appears. 
Do you know there's going to be a time in your life when you don't have to walk, when you'll appear in the new life. But did you know what? The, the resurrected Christ, the, 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 he walked through walls. He had the ability because he was a resurrected Jesus. He's alive today, church. He's here in our midst. So what happened is they run back and they say, guys, it's true. And while they're telling them this, saying, it's right what Simon says. And we understand all the visions. It all comes into context because we've just spent time with him seven miles away. And he appeared to us and it's true. Then all of a sudden he appears again. Hi. And he didn't shoot out of the floor like Aladdin at at the theater. He appears to them. And when he appears to them, this is what he says in verse 49. He says, I'm going to send you what the Father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. In verse 49, remember it says those two disciples were there as well. They heard this. I believe that they had a little, I don't know this, but I believe that they were told, you need to get back to Jerusalem. And I'll tell you what when I get there because I'm going to do something amazing. You've got to get back to reposition yourself and get ready because the Spirit of God is going to be poured out. So I don't know what they heard, but there's something inside of me tells me when I look at their reaction that they ran back with such passion when before they walked with such disappointment. That now they realize that back in Jerusalem was a promise of the Holy Ghost about to be poured out upon people that would change the world. It's time to go back to your purpose. Some people have been traveling on your road and you've been going in a direction. Jesus has been walking alongside you and all he's doing is he's pulling you saying it's time to go back because I'm going to empower you to do the work that I've called you to do. And it's not in this place, but it's in that place. Because when you go back and you listen to my instructions, you'll realize you will do far greater than staying here. Maybe you need to go back to that place where God is using you. Maybe you need, need to go back to that place and return back and say, I need to go back to where he last spoke to me. His purpose will become clear to you. I was at a, a conference just the other week and <clears throat> I was asked to pray for lots of people and I was really tired. And I, it got to the end of the day and I was just going around praying and I'm like, they want me to prophesy over people and, and speak words and I'm like, boy, I just want bed. I, I'm tired and people want a word of direction. And I, and I was walking along and how many of you know that God, it's not about how we feel, God will use you however tired you are. Because it doesn't deter, your, your exhaustion doesn't determine what he can do. And, and I walked up to this young lady and she sat on the floor and and, and she's bad, and I went and put my hand on her head. And, I, and at this point, I was so tired. And I said, Lord, just give me just a simple image. Give me something to, to, to speak to this young lady. And, and as I prayed, I felt the Lord just show me a train track. And now the train tracks can switch and switch direction. And, and I felt the Lord said, tell her that she is trying to go in one direction, but I am, I am calling her to switch direction and go back to the nation she came from. Because I'm calling her back to the place she doesn't want to go. So I, I went up and I, and I prayed and I said, I just want to say this. I said, I believe God just wants you to know that he's calling you back to the nation that you don't want to go back to, your home nation. But he's going to use you there. She broke down in tears. The power of God hit her. She came up to me about 20 minutes late and she said, you don't understand what's happened. She says, I don't want to go back to my nation because I'm scared of it. In Thailand, some of the stuff where I'm from, she goes, the, the evil in the vicinity where I am. She goes, I don't want to go back there, but I believe God's called me to go there. And two weeks ago, I went to the Power and Love Conference in London, and Todd White comes up to me and says, you've got to go back to the nation that you've came from. Now I've come here, and you've told me the same. I said, thank God for his word, not mine. Do you know? And, and I realized something. She broke down in tears and I prayed for her. And I realized, that, by the way, just encouraging you, simple words can be so effective for people. If you want to hear the voice of God, just a simple thing. Don't dismiss the small. And, and, and I spoke that word to her and God realigned her. 
He took her back to purpose. He says, I want you to go back. I want you to rewind. Go back to where you came from because God is going to use you. That place of disappointment could be a divine appointment for you. That place where you thought was a disappointment is actually going to be God's appointment. There are some people today, you're like Jonah. You're heading for Tarshish rather than Nineveh. You're heading for your place. But do you know what? God will redirect. He redirects people back. He rewinds them back. Some of you need to come back. Stop walking towards Emmaus when you're supposed to be in Jerusalem. It's time to come back. Because the purposes and plans of God are there. If I can have the keyboard back, that would be great on the team. Kingdom revelation brought kingdom motivation. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't just bring revelation just for us to get puffed up on, but revelation to release us into nations, release us with influence, release us into everything, to the uttermost parts of the world. And I believe in this next season, God is saying that some of you need to rewind and go back because the Spirit is going to release you Release you into the promises and plans of God. Come on, let's just stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.